episode number 12 of the music industry with Raven on the Road. So today we have a special guest with us, George Ramsey, who is one of the co-founders of Bold Music, a company that provides in-home private lessons for a multitude of instruments. So today we're going to take some time uh, to learn about George's backstory, as well as what, what brought him to found Bold Music. Um, he's going to share his expertise in growing and developing the business and talk to us as well about the evolution of the business. So as it grew from a, you know, three, four main operation up to what it is now and where it's going, George is going to share with us his experience as he's been scaling this business. Well, thank you, George, for taking, taking the time out to be here with me today. And Absolutely. Yeah, happy to be here. So could we just take a few minutes to hear your story as a musician and what kind of led you into teaching? Yes, it's a good, it's a, I'll try to keep it brief, although I'm a talker. So <laughs> I grew up, I'm the youngest of three, um, three kids and my, my family's very musical. Um, my older brother and sister were very good at piano mm. and we all had to take lessons as kids. We had a really good teacher. Um, and I hated it and I wasn't good at it. <laughs> and I was much more of the kind of like, I was much more into sports and, you know, mm. other things like that. Um, so I kind of took my music lessons didn't practice enough, never really got good at reading music, was like looking at my teacher's hands and like memorizing the piano piece. And then I'd forget it, you know, the day after the recital. Finally, about like fifth grade, I was allowed to quit because um, I was just so, I guess I just terrorized my parents enough, but they were like, you need to learn a different instrument. You can't okay. just stop learning music. You have to, right. you have to keep, because they, they valued it, which I appreciate very much. Yeah. Um, and I briefly, I got a drum set and I kind of taught myself how to play drums, which was fun. Um, wasn't and still I'm not very good at that. I just like self-taught and would just like bang on the drums in the, in the basement. <laughs> um, and then in high school, or I guess towards the end of middle school, one of my best friends who I grew up with, um, who's in, in my neighborhood, whose parents happened to both have been professional musicians in their past lives, um, he started playing guitar. Mm. And... He was also he also took piano lessons with our same piano teacher and he started playing guitar and I was like oh this is cool and so I think it was my freshman year in high school it was either eighth grade or ninth grade I was like okay well I don't want to play drums anymore and and I think I want to give this guitar thing a try simultaneously as I got into high school I started playing um, upright bass mm -hmm. in orchestra my brother and sister were both in the orchestra my sister was a really good violinist as well I think my brother kind of played various things and so the orchestra director was a really it was a good orchestra at my high school I was like you should just um you should just play upright bass we need another bass player whatever so I was like okay like I'll figure it out and it, and it ended up figuring it out and it was it was really cool so I sort of like the interest for me picked up when I started playing an orchestra and just kind of figuring it out but also just playing in a group setting yeah. I really loved that and then the guitar. So as I started learning guitar, I was like, oh, I can like jam with other people. I can like learn music and songs that I like and that I, you know, that I'm into. So I went from being like very meh on music and like learning music to being utterly obsessed with the guitar. Um, and then I ended up playing cello in, in my orchestra as well. And then I got into the, started dabbling in production. So like I got, I, I started making beats for my friends who were like rapping and singing and stuff like that. So by the time I hit like ninth, 10th, 11th grade, I was like all in on music. I was like, okay, yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. Um, and from there, 
you know, even like making my decision about going to college and all that was all like always, thankfully, I, I would say in the back of my mind from, you know, the time I was probably 14, I was like, okay, something I'm going to do music for my life. I'm just not sure how I'm going to do it yet. So that's kind of like the cliff notes version. Yeah. No, I like it. And especially, you know, even from that young age, you kind of see those imprints of like community and other people. And yeah, I could wrap into that. That was the driving force for me. I realized it, uh, like, Music to me was never nearly as fun. It was not fun to sit at home and practice by myself. Right. Not music for music's sake. Yeah. But yeah. And it wasn't fun to practice just to prepare for my recital where I played a piece by myself in front mm. of a crowd. It was scary and I didn't like it. Once the community piece started to kind of like, I started to see that there was the possibility of that, mm-hmm. that's when I really got like hooked. Mm. Fast forwarding, when you're starting to look at bold music, what need was presented that prompted you and Dean? We both went to college together, and I played soccer for two years in college. And But again, even going into college and deciding, I was like, okay, I want to be a music major. I want to do music. Like I knew that like, if and when I had to pick one, I was going to pick music. Um, and so after my sophomore year of college, I was totally burned out on soccer, and I didn't have time to really do music stuff. Like Soccer was a full-time job. So I decided to quit the soccer team. I had a little scholarship. And basically the deal was, okay, I'm going to have to either transfer because I'm losing my soccer scholarship, mm. transfer or get a job basically to like cover, mm. you know, some expenses. Um, and Dean and I had been jamming for a while um, and he was a couple years older and he had started teaching at this studio in Mooresville and it just was like a natural job for me to get when I stopped playing soccer because I was like, okay, now I'm going to just dive full into music. I'm going to join the band. I'm going to keep, you know, you know, writing music, producing music. And how can I make some money, you know, with music? And it was teaching. So I, so I went up. So we were both teaching up there. And pretty, pretty soon after starting, we realized, A, we were both pretty good at it. And we hated being in a cubicle. Like, I mean, it was like, a, you know, like a classic little practice room. We both really hated it. And, you know, we weren't paid very well. Um, we weren't treated especially well. And so we kind of just you know, as the years went on, it was probably like, you know, so my sort of last two years of college, I was teaching a lot. Like it was like a, a lot of, a lot of work. We started just toying with the idea, okay, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Um, we're musicians and there's gotta be a better way to make a living doing this than the way we're doing it right now. So we both growing up had different types of music lesson experiences, but both of us at one point in, in time had teachers that came to our house mm. And we were like, oh, we should, you know, we should try that. A, it's much more comfortable for the student and the teacher to be in a nice, cozy house, living room, music room, or whatever. Um, you can charge a premium because you're traveling to them instead of them wow. coming to you. Um, so that was sort of the the need was was actually a personal need for Dean and I, which was like, we want to have a better situation for ourselves as musicians. And then we were like, okay, well, if we want this, other musicians probably want this too. So that's kind of how it, that's kind of how it all started. It, it was really born out of a, out of a need to support ourselves as musicians, but then like support musicians in general yeah. and kind of do music education in a better way. One of the thoughts I've been, I've had for a while, just the concept of the food truck. Mm. Like that is just one of the most ingenious, but, but it's just what you're saying is how can I take product services and bring that mm-hmm. right, yeah, right to their house. Whether that's in like salon industry, 
food, music. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like delivering the service to right. someone is like no. it's people are really into that right no. now. And we didn't know. I mean, that wasn't. Right. We weren't like, oh, oh the yeah. world's moving in this direction. Yeah. We were just like, well, we don't have money for a studio, and we prefer going to people's houses, so let's yeah. try this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's so cool too. And you know, now, now I've realized too. You know, for me, a lot of the a lot of the kids I teach are one of three, four different kids, and you know, we always kind of joke with mom and dad about being a part-time Uber driver, but there's some truth in that, especially you know, okay, well, you got to go middle school schedules here, then high school, so they're driving half the day. Because um, when I was toying with the part of you know, should we get a studio? Over half the students were like, well, you know, if you kind of get a studio, we might not be able to do it anymore. Because, like, yeah. that convenience factor just meant so much. There's, a, there's like, in the, in the suite of extracurriculars that kids do, yeah. it just so happens that mu- the music piece is one that makes a lot of sense to go to, to be delivered to them. Whereas, like, soccer, you got to go to the soccer field. Right. You know, so um, it, it does make a lot of sense. And for us, again, it was like, it would just so happen that what we wanted to do like for ourselves and for musicians also ended up being something that a lot of families were like, Oh yeah, no, this is a much better way of doing this too. Because one less thing, one less Uber trip (laughs) for my kids. Um, So how do do you feel like uh, bold music has kind of evolved since y'all first started? Oh, wow. (laughs) That's a good question. So we we had no idea what we were doing at all when we started. I don't have a business degree. Dean doesn't have – Dean has a psychology degree, and I have a um, music degree. And so we – we didn't know anything about running a business. And so I think the evolution over time has been how do we – First and foremost, support as many musicians as we can, um, which means growing, right? So we've wanted to grow over the years um, and hire more and more teachers, get more students involved. And just I think the evolution from being sort of me being in charge of every little aspect of the company, whether it's like answering the phones to sell new students, doing the billing and the payroll, um, and actually being the teacher myself. Like it started, I was, it was just me. I was the teacher. It was like bold music, but it was really just like George Ramsey teaching. So as more people got involved, that's when you kind of are forced to evolve a company. And, and like, it doesn't, you know, you have in your mind that like, as you, as you grow something, you know, you get more people, you get some employees, you get like that. It's all like awesome. And it gets easier and better. No, it gets actually gets harder. It's just a different, like when I was teaching and kind of running it sort of almost like a solo operation, I was working a ton. Um, I work at least as much now as I did. It's just a different, it's just like a different type of work. Um, but I think the evolution for us has been as we grow and get more, especially more teachers again, like musicians have all different types of personalities and interests and all that. So like getting some sense of cohesion between a team that we've now got 60 something teachers in Charlotte and Raleigh, um, having an operation that works for everyone, keeping first and foremost in our mind, like core value, number one, teacher first, like number one, we exist to support musicians, but how do we, support musicians, support everyone fairly? How do we do the, the business side fairly, but also how do we treat customers and all that? It's a very different kind of equation when it's me or like me and three other teachers um, and when they're 60. I'm a lifelong learner and it's just been a, like the company has grown and evolved over the years, ups and downs, plenty of bumps in the road. 
continual bumps in the road there will always be um but the fun part for me has been like just constantly figuring out how do we how do we take this to the next level so i like that if you make any kind of mistake it's not that you messed up but in my eyes the best way to kind of honor the person with whom that mistake was made is okay just don't repeat that mistake yeah so if you're gonna make a mistake make it make a new mistake and i always (laughs) i always say like when i was teaching i mean that's why like that's one of the beauties of music right learning music to me Mistakes are just a part, an, a necessary part of learning music. You have yeah. to learn and you have to be like good with and okay with making mistakes. So like that kind of mindset as I developed as a musician, oh. I think is probably one of the most important sort of like mindset traits that has transitioned well into business is just like roll with it. The mistakes are going to happen. You can't, you can't, you can't like plan your way out of mistakes. No. They're going to happen yeah. no matter what. It's like, okay, this happened. Great. I love making mistakes because I learn what not to do next time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just how my brain works. Yep. So you kind of talked about how you had a music degree. Dean had the psychology degree. Um, in what ways do you feel like y'all have kind of complimented each other as opposed to just doing it solo? Oh man, I could talk to you about this for, for, <laughs> hours. So I've always been a team person, right? I grew up playing sports. I played sports in college. I told you just a few minutes ago that I really got drawn to music because of the communal aspect of it. I like being in bands. Bands feel like a team. Uh, Orchestra feels like a team. Like, um, so I never would have ever wanted to dive into a business, not with a partner. That's just Mm -hmm. not how, that's just not how I'm wired. Um, Dean is, he and I just it just and it's just I think it's just worked out that way and we've had to work on the relationship and work on how we both operate but like we just have this perfect yin and yang um you know I am a little bit I would say more of the creative type um maybe a a little bit more like emotional driven um and he's much more you know logical um but also having the interest in psychology that he has. He also is very keenly like aware of like why I might be emotional about things. And and so, so, you know, most of the issues that you were on, we run into as a business now uh, revolve around people. Mm -hmm. And so it's really like, we work really well in balancing um, sort of weighing pros and cons and sort of balancing how to kind of react to whatever problem is, is happening. And especially people problems, he's really helpful. The two of us just, we end up, you know, we'll talk back and forth and we'll go around and around in circles and then we'll kind of hit this end point. We're like, oh yeah, all right, we're there. Like we got it. We have the right decision. And very frequently we make the right decision. And so that's, that's really, that's really cool. Um, but like any, any other relationship, I mean, business partnership is like, it's like a marriage in a lot of ways. Like it, it evolves, you know, you have to, I mean, I guess you could say like, screw you, I'm out and blow the whole thing up if you get, you know, if you get mad or whatever, but like uh-huh. you're going to have ups and downs in your relationship and you have to learn how to deal with one another effectively, kind of keeping in mind that, okay, you know, at the end of the day, like we did this together and we really like for the right reasons right. and we both want the same thing. You know, it's been, it's been a really cool like the evolution of the business, but the evolution of our friendship and our working relationship has been, you know, it's been really cool too. No, thank you. No, I feel that. Well, and just as you were talking, you know, when you were like, yeah, you know, I'm a little bit more emotionally driven. He's a little bit, I was like, man, it just sounds like me and my wife. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like just, it was, it's enough offset yes. to where, you know, my triggers aren't your triggers. Oh, it's totally, it's totally, totally the case. And, and I've, I've, 
been full time. He's never actually been full time in the business. Like he has another day job. Okay. Um. So he's very. I mean, he's very involved in the business, but it's like he. It's all basically like ownership level strategy. Right. So you know, if I'm running through something, it's like yeah. He's he's a lot of times. I think he's like my therapist, my <laughs> my my business therapist too. And um, it just it it yeah, it just it works really well. And there's no way like. I would have never been able to make the the calls and decisions. Not that we're like amazing and like super crazy successful, but like we absolutely would not have made it to where we're at now um, if it was just me or if it was just him. Like yeah. it took the two of us and our third partner Kevin, who's the money guy. Okay, um, he's he's our CFO. So we he, we brought him in a few years into the business. We we're like we don't have any money to pay you but we'll give you a little stake of the company and oh. um you can do our account like accounting and financing and all that stuff finances and all that kind of stuff so like none of like the business could not have existed how it has today without all three parts yeah. when you're bringing people in how do you suss out the people who are in it for the same reasons who kind of follow that same why that same mission that y'all are behind when i was able to like just do it all myself mm -hmm. it was all you know, it was all relationship driven, right? It was like, all right, I'm gonna have a conversation with you. If my, I've always had a pretty good gut, I think. And it's like, all right, if my gut is telling me this is a good idea, then we'll just, we'll bring you on, if whether that's a teacher or a family, right? Like if I have, a, if I was doing the selling and I'd have a conversation with a prospective customer and I got a good vibe, I'd be like, okay, let's work with, work with you. And I definitely made the mistake plenty of times of getting bad vibes and working with people and then it biting us. So like you kind of learn pretty quick, like, okay, these are the type of people that we're prepared to do business with. But also same thing goes for, you know, employees, meaning like management, mm. back office staff and oh. teachers. Um, the challenge I think is once you hit a certain point of growth where it's like, I don't have full control over everything anymore. Like there's other right. people involved who have responsibilities beyond. Uh, so, you know, we, our first hire ever was a sales, basically enrollment person who like answered the phones and sold people on lessons. Um, and then once we had, once we got to a point to where, yeah, like it, it was just impossible for me to have like my hands over every little single thing. Um, that's when it became a challenge to keep, mm -hmm. make sure that all the right people are, are around. And it's, and it's a work in progress always, but um, this was probably just before COVID or maybe during a little bit during COVID, we, I, I really shifted my focus from being in the weeds, running the business and doing everything. Cause I knew if I kept doing that, that wasn't going to, we wouldn't be able to grow. I mean, I was at capacity already. I started, I kind of pulled out and started working so much more on the business and like I, we, we implemented core values across the company, which sounds super corporate, but you know, a lot of companies do it. And I think, what we did, and I didn't, this was not my idea. We worked with consultants. I'm in like a business group. Um, but basically we did a, a two-day vision, you know, kind of session to where we set our, you know, pie in the sky, five, 10-year vision plan all the way down to three-year vision and our annual plan. And I think that was in 2020 or maybe it's 2021. Um, and we really developed our core values and our, you know, just like what we care about as who we are as a company, like have it on paper, like who we are, what we care about, the type of people, like the core values are kind of like what we look for in people that we want to work with. And if you kind of live by those and you, you care about these things too, it's probably a good fit. If you don't, it's probably not a good fit. So developing though, that kind of a, a little bit of a framework and almost like a roadmap for like where yeah. we're going, who we want to be, that in turn 
kind of got it almost like puts you in a box that makes it way easier to like make decisions because you're like okay no we've decided as a team that this is what we this is who we are this is what we care about and so in the hiring so for example when we hire our, our hiring process for new teachers is very um it's very in depth and it's and it's kind of hard because it weeds a lot of people out but we're showing up to people's houses. Like we have to really trust that we're hiring good people, right? right. So, but the first thing when someone applies for a, a position, a, a teaching job with us, the first thing we do is a core value exercise. So they mm -hmm. get they get the core values and they basically write what they mean to them and how they kind of live them and whatever, whatever. And yeah. and it's about I can't remember the exact number. Um, Desiree, who does our recruiting now and our hiring, has done a really great job of kind of making it an actual like very distinguished process but let's say it's like a nine to 12 step process to get someone hired and and by the time we get okay you've got the you know all right we, you you've got the job mistakes happen but nine times out of ten we feel really confident that it's it's going to be a good a good oh. fit and then and then when you kind of set those expectations from the start everything gets easier like if someone's not doing what they're supposed to do it's like well this right. was kind of the deal when you signed up. This is what we care about. We told you. Um, I guess the, the short answer to that is really having clearly laid out core values and, and making sure you're, like, obsessively following them. Yeah. No, I really like that. Um, because I feel like, too, like, once you have that transparency and that clarity with, like, once again, this is who we are. Like, this is our identity as a business. Um, yeah, you know, I can teach you the rest, um, but you can't always, you know, I can't teach you how to, Mm -hmm. How to care, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's also, it's not a pro. Like, if you don't, if you're not in line with them, with, right. like, what we care about, that it's all good. Right. I have plenty of great friends and, yeah. you know, musicians that I really uh, admire and respect that, like, just wouldn't be a fit. And it's yeah. not, it's just because, like, it's nothing personal. It's just, like, this right. is what we have. This is what we do. And if you're not, if you don't want to do it, that's totally fine. It's not like, Nicholas, you're, you know, you're awful. We hate you. It's like, right. you're terrible. It's like, no, it's just, like, you have a different kind of set of values that you care about. And right. so it's not a fit, yeah. but there's yeah. no, it's, it's fine that it's not a fit. Right. <laughs> yeah. And try, trying to force that rectangle into a square is yeah. just gonna yeah, be miserable for everyone kind of thing. Yep. Man, I like that. Yeah. I, got, I was kind of going through a similar thing when I was considering pulling more people in. Um, and I had a few friends who were like, Oh, well, you know what I mean? You've got any extra sense you got? And I was like, it's like, man, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard uh, yeah. to work with friends. It, yeah. it is really, really hard. And then you run into, um, so when I was first hiring, like, the first batch of teachers, I definitely, you know, I have a little bit of an inferiority complex as a musician. I feel like I never, and I think a lot of musicians have it. Like, I never feel like I'm yeah. that good. I'm like, eh, yeah, I'm whatever. I'm fine. So I try to sort of, but, like, I would hire really great musicians and, and awesome teachers, and I thought we were friends. And some of them were friends, like I was friends with before, but like in the, in the context of a business, it's like, I mean, you can be, you, you, you might be friends, but you're also like the boss. Yeah. So it, it can make, it can make those relationships really tough. And it's like, if you really value someone as a friend, it can be a big mistake to like start working with them. Right. Um, it doesn't have to be like Kevin, our CFO was a friend and well, Dean and I were friends before we started the company and Kevin, our CFO, we were friends with, um, before we started the company. But like even bringing Kevin on board full time was a long process where we were like, okay, let's really make sure this is going to work. And let's make sure we have like clear, you know, designations of between kind of like 
friend, friend Kevin, right. uh, like in the weeds. Like he does all the accounting, the finance, the bookkeeping, like that Kevin, and then like strategy CFO owner mm-hmm. Kevin. Like those are three different types of relationships. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't. I think it can work, but it's not. It's hard to have to work with friends. Yeah, it's a lot of times better to just be friends with your friends. Right. <laughs> so you kind of talked about that business group that you're in. Um, are there any resources you'd recommend um, for someone wanting to sharpen their skills as a business leader? Yeah, I mean that that business. So there's a there's a global um, group called uh, Entrepreneurs Organization. So that's what I'm a part of now. And I got into it because I was in the what's called the, their accelerator program. So a lot of those tools that I just talked about, like the core values and really kind of getting a grip on my business, all that sort of flowed out of that program. Okay. Um, that program, I, I mean, I highly recommend it, but I'm also I'm going to be the president of the board of it starting oh, in July. Wow. So I don't want to be like, you have right, to do this. So- <laughs> like I, I really am not. I, that's why I didn't say, I was like, I'm not trying to like push this. Right. Um, and it's, it's kind of geared. So like the accelerator program is geared towards businesses that do between 250,000 and a million dollars in revenue. Okay. Um, that's like one of the qualifiers um, to get in. But then there's also like, there's a lot. So there's a lot of other types of business support, um, kind of like groups around the city. What I've always struggled with is knowing like which ones are actually legit and are going to help. Um, and I don't know enough about uh, like other ones. So I guess there's like, and there's like, it it depends, it also depends like on what you want. Right. So there's like, there's, there's, I think there's business support types of organizations that are very focused on like going out and finding investors and like, you know, um, that's never been what we, what we, we, we've just haven't wanted to do that. We've wanted to be in house. And, um, there's other ones about that, that are just like, literally like, how do you, how do you start a business, you know? And then, so, um, but I think a good resource is, uh, the Charlotte regional business Alliance, okay. CRBA. They, I think if you like start looking there, there's also a program called scale up. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, Charlotte Inno is another kind of big organization. Char- Charlotte's cool because it's like, it's a very corporate city. Um, I don't know if cool is the right word. So Charlotte's a very corporate city, um, <laughs> but it's corporate in that like big, big corporations kind of like run the show. So the entrepreneurial like ecosystem and like small business world in Charlotte is it's awesome. And there's like, it's like, it's almost, it's kind of like the music community where like, it's, it's actually pretty close knit and like people are cool. People are supportive to one another. Um, so I think like it, it may not be like, it may like Charlotte small business groups may not necessarily be on like the national map yet, but like, it's a really good and supportive place I think to be into small business because there's opportunity and people like to talk about business and help with business. Yeah, (laughs) man. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember we, we had something similar on, at the university I went to, I think it might have been more like state um, run, but it was basically the, the incubator where it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just like you're talking about where I had kind of a specific niche. And so it was, okay, you're wanting to start your business. Let's, yeah. It's not, so, yeah. And like, and a lot of the incubators are like, okay, hey, like what is your, you know, minimum viable product or whatever. It's like, I like, you know what you're like, right. you're teaching people music. Like, I didn't have a product. I mean, like it's a service, but yeah, there, it, it kind of depends on where you're at in your business, like life cycle, I think, 
and there's different ways to like even start a business. Like I know plenty of people who like you can go out and buy a business, but then to do that, you have to go find investors or like go get a big loan or whatever. You can, you know, launch an idea and just, you know, go find, I don't know, go down Silicon Valley and get like people to invest and like believe in you or whatever. We just went the road of like, let's just see what we can do on our own and, and yeah. go really slowly and, and build as we go. But I, but we got to a point, this was, you know, like three years ago where it was clear that, okay, like we're at, a, we're at like the, the limit of what we can do without like actually learning how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man. That's cool though. I like that. Yeah. And that's always been a big thing for me. Um, kind of frugal in a sense of. Let me just take the resources I have and just completely max those out mm-hmm. until now I have to kind of go into that next step. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, yeah, taking out the big loans and everything and then trying to claw your way out. Yeah, it's just never really, you know, maybe it's the musician in me and maybe it's the mus- musician in you. It's like I want to, like, be in charge of my own right. thing. I don't want to, like, I don't want... I don't want to be like indebted to, to people. And, like, I also know that I don't know much. So it's like I want to learn before I make crazy big decisions. Right, with all those zeros. So taking it slow end. is fine. <laughs> I'm right. like all good about, about taking it slow. Oh, man. Would you have any advice for someone who's wanting to kind of step up as a leader in their current work environment? Maybe not necessarily going out and doing their own thing, but just for where they're at right now? Yeah, I think the best piece of advice I could give is to just like, you can get as fancy as you want with numbers and strategies and whatever like at the end of the day any business and any organization any job it's all about people so Mm -hmm. it's like you can focus on whatever but if you don't have the people and you don't focus on effectively communicating and kind of being able to be in touch with kind of like the psyche of everyone that you're around you're not really going to be able to be a leader. I think the the one piece that allows me to kind of have some level of leadership is the fact that I high empathy and I really care about what I care about the people that I work with. I care about them knowing that I care. Like right. I, like it's like that's actually like all I care about. <laughs> like mm-hmm. my yes, we have a business and we have to we have to like make money and we have to be able to hit our payroll, but like what guides me is like I want everyone to like working with us and I want them to like me and I want them to like feel heard. And so I think if you don't have like a level of respect for the people that you work with and work around, then it's probably never going to really happen for you. You know, it's like what goes around comes around. Right. I I was watching, I see if I wrote it down somewhere, I'm not going to be able to find it. (laughs) Um, but I, somebody said that, and this is not a quote that he came up with, he was quoting and I'm going to misquote it, but give without remembering and, receive without ever forgetting it's like the law of reciprocity right like like if you want to be a leader and you want to grow and you want to build something it only works when you're good to people yeah um and that like not i'm not saying be good to people right so that you can achieve your goals but it's just like that's the way the world works if it didn't work that way we'd already all you know killed each other right (laughs) yeah yeah. and and that's been um such a big thing for me lately um that i've just kind of been sitting on is how can i add value Mm -hmm. so whether it's a conversation whether it's relationships business ideas however we go about things um or analyzing things how is this adding value into my life do i need to cut it do i need Mm -hmm. to change it things like that the reason i was laughing when you're when you're talking about people was every single podcast i've done 
that has come up. Huh? I, th I think it's the greatest thing. Um, you know, once again, at the very beginning, you were talking about the job. You're like, yeah, Dean was working at this shop, so I got the job. I've had one real job interview in my entire life. Mm. I didn't get it. Yeah. But, like, the dozens of other jobs I've had have come from, like, relationships. relationships. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that's the same thing even I, I've heard. I don't know if this is actually – I don't know, like, the actual statistics behind this, but even, like, in the big corporate world, most of the time – the big hires happen from oh. relationships and somebody knowing somebody. And it's like, so it's like, that's the way that humans are wired. We're wired uh -huh. to be with people. We're wired to be, you know, in a network and, you know, uh, yeah, again, like what, what goes around comes around. Do you feel like just anyone should kind of take that jump into being an entrepreneur or do you feel like there are any kind of like prerequisites or guidelines? Like if you're going to do this, I'd recommend... XYZ. Let me give you the metaphor that I gave to my students when I was teaching all the time. Because I'd have, you know, one in, I don't know, one in 10 students would be like, you know, I think I want to I wanna be a musician. Yeah. And I'd be like, cool, like I'm a musician. Uh, here's, here's what I did. And let, let's talk about what it really is probably going to look like. Not to say don't do it, but like right. let's be realistic about how this might, how right. this might work. So to try and make it as a, as a musician – you maybe go to school for it. You don't have to, but you you are in charge of your own brand. At the end of the day, your ability to make a living rests 100% on your shoulders. So you got to figure it out. You got to join a band. Maybe you love writing and recording music, and that's so fun. Um, how are you going to pay the bills with that? Okay, well, then maybe I'll join a wedding band, and maybe I'll play some music that I don't love to play, um, but at least it'll pay the bills. Maybe I'll start teaching. I really love being with people. I really love sharing my craft. Okay, so maybe I'll play in a band. Maybe I'll do some teaching. And, oh, I'll probably join. I'll probably be in, like, the church music group here at, you know, one of the big churches because that's, that's weekend money too. All right, so now I've, I am making a living. This is great. Um, and now I have, you know, five or ten hours a week to actually focus on doing the music that I – the whole reason I jumped into being a professional musician, now I really only get five, ten hours a week to focus on that music. And, oh, I'm really tired that five, ten hours a week. So I should – so if you – if you hear all that and you're like, nah, I don't care. I want to hustle. I want to do this. I, I want to have no job security. Um <laughs> I want to I want to have the pressure of making the connections, never burning a bridge, um, you know, meeting the right people, getting in the right place at the right time, being pretty much out of my comfort zone at all times. Well, yeah, go try and make it as a musician. And, and it can be really, really rewarding. And you might you can do it. Anybody can do it. But like if you in your mind think that you're going to be, you know, a, a famous touring musician, that's a little harder and make a good money doing it. That's, right. that's a pretty hard to do. And then it's also like, it's also like, it's hard to do to like get there, right. but it's also very hard to actually do when you get there. It's right. not, it's, you know, it's not probably not what you think it, what you think it'll be. So it's like, think about these things with business. Um, you start a business. I started a business because I wanted to find a better way to do the music stuff. Well, now my job has nothing to do with music. I was actually texting an old teacher of ours last night who was playing a gig. I was like, yeah, like I feel like I'm losing my dexterity because I don't play music anymore. I'm just like on the computer running, running a business. So it's like almost like careful what you wish for. And I, and I mean, and I personally love this path because I've just changed my passion to be like, Hey, I want to support musicians. I don't, I don't, I know I'm not going to be a touring musician. I love playing gigs when I can play them, but like, I really have 
become passionate about supporting musicians and 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 music the music industry in general well not the industry but the people in the music industry <laughs> um so i think it's the same with business like i you know for nine eight years i mean to today really to, to a certain degree it's like you're totally responsible you could something could happen you could be out of your job today you could go out of business it's just like you just weigh the you just weigh the pros and cons and for i think so i think to round out that the answer no it's not for everybody you just have to like decide what you're willing to do like if you really get you know crippling anxiety not knowing where your next paycheck is going to come from it's probably a better idea to go get a cushy corporate job and a, a, a true nine to five and maybe you can slack a little bit and you've got your health care, you've got your, mm-hmm. you know, you've got your uh, whatever, like your retirement fund and you're getting paid okay, you got a roof over your head and you can still spend, you can go back and spend that five to 10 hours a week doing the music you love to do um, without burning out, right? Yeah. You're not, you may not love your job, but like, so it's, so yeah, it's not, it's not for everybody, but I love it. Um, and I think there is definitely like in the entrepreneur world, there's definitely like a, it's a certain mindset that I think works well to it, to be, to be like to start a business and to be in, in business. But like, I think anybody can do it, but you just gotta be like the type that's like, I know what I'm getting into yeah. and it's probably good. There's like, there's no silver bullet. Like right. it, it's, it's awesome and it's fun and I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way, but there's, plenty of downsides <laughs> yeah, well no and, and that's honestly what what started this podcast because i remember being in high school like well you know if i'm going to do this whole music thing it's only either going to be me running the soundboard or me up on a stage like i just didn't know mm-hmm. that there were so many different outlets and avenues and so just kind of like given that transparency of like look this is what it's going to be like and it's yeah. funny you mentioned that because i was talking to one of my students the other day about um she's like well you know i really love like theater music and all this kind of stuff i was like okay that's great so you want to go out and you want to do theater, you know, you want to go perform those kind of shows. Who's your market for that? Because now you can do this for fun. You know, you can go get that job at the, the neighborhood, get your money there. You can do this for fun. But I'm like, you know, if this is something that you're wanting to turn a profit, well, now it's an exchange. So now you're going to have to see, okay, what am I comfortable giving up for the service of, you know, my market? So what, what are they looking for? And am I going to have to trade in some of my preferences of, oh, maybe I can't do jazz. Maybe not everyone likes jazz. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind yeah. Of, yeah, making those exchanges. Um, yeah, so just, you know, what are you comfortable with doing? And then is that, um, uh, is that trade-off worth pursuing it as a career versus as a hobby on the weekends? Mm-hmm. So, and it's kind of like, like I'll, I don't want to keep going too long, but the, the, I feel like in a lot of places in the world, maybe there, there's probably is more support for it just to be like, well, I'm a, I'm an artist and I'm a, and I'm a, you know, I'm a musician and I'm, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to do my art and I'm going to do my music in the U S I feel like, and I could be off on this cause I don't actually know, but I feel like it's a lot less support and, and there's, you know, again, benefits and drawbacks to everything, including where you live. Um, I think in the U S it's like you, like we get really good musicians and artists and stuff, because in order to actually do it, right. you gotta be ready. Yeah, yeah. You gotta be like, prepared to do whatever it takes to do it. So, you know, you could love playing in the, I, I played in the pit band in high school for the musical. That was my first guitar gig and I loved it. But now you think like, what, like, what's the market for that? Like right. where, and even and if I'm in the other people too, yeah, want to do it. Cause it is really fun. It's like, yeah, it's great. But like, 
you know, the, 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 the guys that professionally are sitting up there doing, you know, being pit musicians in the musicals are like the people that I just said that they do the, they do the, the, the pit musician for the, for the theater run, but they're in the wedding band, they're in the mm -hmm. church band. They're, like they're doing all these different things. Yeah. It is fun when you get to do it, but it's not like you're going to have this cushy right. full-time job this being a, a pit musician, yeah, thing, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, it's just not how it works. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you brought that up. It's one thing I found... Um, I noticed really quick. So when I was in New Zealand, I was like, wow, like just the, the atmosphere towards music was just mm -hmm. amazing. Um, and I'm curious if like, because here in the States, you know, we, we drive everywhere. Yeah. Um, and so you're just point A, point B. So you, you miss all those interactions um, just by physically walking past people. And I felt like once I had my rhythm and so I said, okay, you know, I'm going to this job this certain day and time. Um, I got used to, oh, there's amputee guy or there's like a mm -hmm. yellow bandana guy you know and th they're just these people that you just you were just on the same track and schedule with and just that um interaction going back and forth so even if you didn't like no no um um you kind of got to and then especially when that translated into performing so okay well now when you're playing the markets playing the whatever because no one's driving everywhere but everyone's walking throughout the mm -hmm. city i felt like you got a lot more interaction support from the community oh yeah for yeah. sure and you get a, sen a better sense of like the the, the heartbeat of the si of the of the place you're in too. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thank you. This is I love this. Went off script a little bit, but that's <laughs> that's the way to go. Oh uh, yeah, our meetings, my company meetings. I feel like <laughs> I'm always going off script, so it's kind of par for the course. But thank, thank you so you. much. It's been really fun. Glad yeah, glad for same. the opportunity.